Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast. I wanted to make sure that I released this podcast. This is a this is a conversation I had with George Newberry from AHP Servicing actually several weeks ago. And unfortunately, I just, just hadn't released it yet. And I want to make sure that this information gets out there sooner rather than later, because I know a number of people have been investing with George over the over the years. As you may or may not know, George is a is a guy I think a, a whole lot of. I think he is a very smart guy. And I think that the things that are happening with AHP, I'm convinced he's going to get over. I think everybody's going to land on their feet and he's going to go on and do some great things. So we're going to continue to follow him. But but I want to make sure this podcast goes out to you. So I'm releasing this as a supplemental podcast this week. Check it out. He's giving us a little bit of not only background on what's going on with AHP, but also his perspective on real estate and you know the debt markets and all that kind of stuff. Good stuff. Check it out. Hopefully you have a little extra time this, uh, this week to do that. Uh, so when we come back, George Newberry. What do the Rothschilds, the Romneys, and the billionaire hedge fund managers know that you don't about growing and protecting wealth? As you might imagine, the wealthy have a few tricks up their sleeves. One strategy allows you to grow wealth tax-free at a compounding rate with no volatility. It protects your money from creditors and lawsuits, and it lets you invest the same money in two different places at the same time. How about that for amplifying wealth? To learn more, go to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest on Wealth Formula Podcast is uh, my my good friend, George Newberry. George has been on the show so many times, I can't even count anymore. George, we're uh, we're at a something like 400-something episodes now, but George has been on like episode two or three when no one was listening. Then he was on, you know, probably in the thirties and then hundreds, two hundreds and so on and so forth. But the uh, founder of multiple companies, uh, including uh, AHP, you tell me, so it was a debt cleanse. There was AHP. Pre-REO. Pre-REO. AHP you know, servicing, you know, HP's. And we started with American Home Enterprise Innovation. Then it kind of evolved as we saw, hey, here's a need, here's an opportunity. And uh, and that's how this this thing grew. And I mean, we we started out really small. It was like three or four people in Cincinnati in 2008, and then grew from there. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about what's going on because you know the story is basically for those people who've not invested with AHP, and I think it's a it, it's it's useful. I mean, just in general to kind of kind of talk about sort of the big 
things that happen. So you went from, uh, you know, American homeowner, what was it? Home, homeowner preservation. Preservation to AHP. And then you the company got bigger and bigger. You had all sorts of other things going on and things were going well. What, uh, what happened? The economy, the economy, what happened in the economy? Obviously rates went yeah. up and you yeah. are in the business of debt, buying debt. We are. And sometimes taking on debt. And that was probably, uh, you know, something that had caught, it, it was helpful for years, but in, in the end um, has not been helpful. So uh, go back, you know, where you start 2008, we started HP in order to help families at risk of foreclosure stay in their homes. And we had thousands of families come to us. We tried to advocate on their behalf with their lenders and servicers, and we didn't have much success. Um, many of the servicers uh, and lenders were inefficient and ill-equipped to provide solutions that that help families stay in their homes. So we said, hey, let's we pivoted and we started buying the defaulted mortgages, which was a much better process. And that that's where we that was the pivot that succeeded. We um we ended up um, buying more than 10,000 defaulted mortgages in the last decade. We kept thousands of families in their homes. As a result, we'd buy these loans at discounts. We'd share the discounts with the families, and uh, and that worked. Now, one of the one of the challenges is that when you're um, in order to to work with a family um, to resolve their mortgage, you need to typically have a license uh, service. So we had to work with servicers who would be the ones with the license who would actually work out the deals with the families. And that was something where we had to quarterback them. Okay, this is what we want to do. And many times what we were doing was different than what most of their other clients wanted. We we wanted to a consent, fast consensual resolution. And um, so that's what we did. So and it worked, um, it worked really well. I mean, we started out in 2010. By 2011, we moved to Chicago. We started a fund, and uh, there was so much supply uh, of defaulted mortgages that the pricing was very attractive, and we were able to buy these and and uh, and generate um, great uh, impact on, on the families whose loans we bought as well. And, as and what year was that now, George? What? We moved to Chicago in 2011. Okay. That was right around when I met you. Yeah, it was right around. Was, yeah, because we were in Cincinnati mm -hmm. from 2008 to 2011, mid 2011. Uh -huh. I think we moved around Halloween, so right around now. Yeah, uh, in 2011, and then we um, we started growing here, and um, and it grew well. And again, a lot of supply. We buy the most of the big Wall Street hedge funds didn't want the. The, the loans in the low and moderate neighborhoods, they, you know, you could make five or $10,000 on a time, but we did a high volume. So it actually, it worked out really well. Uh, and, but then the market 2016, 17, it started getting less and less mortgages available. So we came up with a strategy, which probably was a good one, but, you know, didn't work out as hoped is, Hey, in anticipation of the next downturn, let's build our own servicer, HP servicing, a national mortgage servicer. Now we don't have to quarterback others. We can uh, execute these resolutions to help families and um, and our clients and and investors, and um, and we'll do that. And you know, now we, we started that in 2017. We we were uh, officially opened as a servicer in 2018. And just so that people have an idea, can you just define exactly kind of what a servicer does? Sure. Yeah, so a servicer most commonly, and most of us will know, a servicer is the person that we pay our mortgage to, uh, and a servicer in most of the time is simply going to collect payments from the um, homeowner, take out a small fee, make sure the taxes and insurance are paid, and then remit the difference to the investor. That's 
the basic services of a servicer. But the uh, when a homeowner becomes delinquent, then it then it entails a lot of other things, you know, potentially starting a foreclosure, working out, you know, modification or deed in lieu or or short payoff or short sale. Potentially the homeowner files bankruptcy. Now you need to file a claim. And so there's a lot of a lot of extra activity when uh, when a homeowner becomes uh, delinquent. There's also a lot of extra compliance and regulation uh, that needs to be um, needs to be followed. So those are the um, so those are the functions. And uh, we um, so we said, let's build this. And and we'll by the time we get it done, uh, we will be um, ready for the next downturn. There'll be a big downturn. You know, and you look back at history and history will show expansion contraction expansion and contraction that's that's helpful you know the, the market just the, there's you know things go uh, real estate market the easy ways that yeah. go they go down they go up they go down uh but you know by 2019 we were on the tail end of the longest economic expansion in our country's history and when covid hit we thought okay this is the trigger this is what's going to trigger the next downturn and the next um demand for our servicing business. There'll be a lot of defaulted mortgages for us to buy. Other people will buy, they'll ask us to service. Uh, but that didn't happen as we all you know as we all know, the, the market became extremely hot during COVID and uh, and also foreclosures were put on hold. You know, there are moratoriums across the country. And so uh, our business um you know we we thought okay well you know eventually COVID ends and then there'll be a big wave of default. And uh, we ended up with, um, you know, COVID went on for a period of time. And when it ends, ended, every I think everybody in the industry predicted six months later, there's going to be a, just a ton of foreclosures. Uh, but it's not happened. I mean, here we are, 2023, and uh, we're still waiting on this wave of default. And it's having, you know, it, it's it's good, I guess, that families aren't um, struggling. Uh, but, uh, you know, for those... Uh, in the business that are are working to to serve that industry, it's become there just wasn't much demand, uh, and and it's not just us. You know, I I, I talk to people at Hubzoo, they've had massive layoffs. Auction.com layoffs. It's something a lot of the foreclosure law firms, uh, layoffs, consolidations, going out of business. Um, servicers, there's been uh, some big servicers that have consolidated to kind of keep you know because uh, the the default. Um, servicing that we were going to focus on just wasn't there wasn't much demand and uh because there wasn't wasn't as many people in default and you know many of you of your listeners probably probably real estate investors there haven't been anywhere near the volume of REOs that that we'd see historically and why do you uh, think that is why do you think that the, is well all those government programs uh you know government assistance during covid certainly kicked it down but you would kick kick the time frame um kick the can down the road to use a cliche and uh but then covid ended the foreclosure moratoriums lifted moratoriums lifted and then um but then there were some homeowner assistance uh programs put into place some funds that went through the different state agencies and uh that was okay well now these families coming off forbearance let's um pump some money and keep them in there longer. And, uh, and that's happened that most of those programs have wound down just in the last couple of weeks, uh, <clears throat> at the end of October. And so now, you know, there's a potential for more default, but the other part that's really changed is the, um, the real estate markets have rem has remained hot. Uh, and so people who get into trouble simply sell their homes and they can walk away 
pay off the mortgage and, yeah. and walk away with cash. And that's, you know, a lot of people since pre-COVID to now have still have significant equity, you know, that that was that was um is now in their home. So that's, you know, it's just all combined uh to make the the business plan that we established for AHP servicing, hey, it, it wasn't working. We weren't getting the volume that we needed and we built a um you know, a year ago, uh, less than a year ago, we had we we had the technology used by the biggest servicers in the country. We still have it. Um, we had built a team that came from some of the largest servicers in the country. So we built just this awesome team, awesome, um, awesome technology, awesome systems, and um, but all that comes at a cost. So awesome overhead. Yeah. Uh, so basically, you 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 are anticipated. You anticipated big business, a big business opportunity because you saw which way this economy was headed. You got all ready and it kind of didn't happen. It was always like getting ready for a party and then the party didn't happen, right? Basically, yeah. that's what dress, happened. Rent the tuxedo and you're all right. ready to go and, oh, it's not it's not there. Yeah. Nothing happening. Um, that's so. Tough. There's, a, I guess, there's a couple of questions. I mean, first of all, I think just for people, I mean, I know you just uh, have done a webinar on this too, uh, but I, I want to kind of dive into first your, you know, specifically with what's happening with your company and what, uh, you know, what resolutions there have been. I should preface this by saying that, um, you know, I've I've gotten a lot of you know, a lot of a lot of people who are listeners of the show are investors in AHP, and um, I I was a, an investor in AHP for many years too, um, and so there was lots of concern. I think a lot of that concern is ultimately because you know uh, when uh, we were talking about this, when the tide uh, tide goes out, you'd find out who's swimming naked, and it's not only uh, there's there's dif- different kinds of things that people are finding out in this space there was some fraudulent activity and um there was also the reality of the economy which is uh in real estate i mean regardless of what it you know the job numbers show whatever growth in gdp real estate is getting hammered mm. and and um and that uh and so people are uh, experiencing that as well but i always told people you know, George is going to do whatever uh, he can to make sure that, you know, you, you're made whole. I mean, all you have to do is read his book. And if he made those, you know, stinking banks whole, he's going to he's going to do his best to make you whole, too. So so I, I have confidence in that. But I wanted to kind of, uh, you know, kind of get your, the story in terms of where you are with the business, what the plan is and and and, and the path forward. Yeah. So that is. uh I tried everything to make that servicer work, uh, and we're still in business as a servicer. But we've now, um, in the end, it became increasingly, increasingly apparent that this isn't going to play out. And and we um, we explored a sale to another company. They had trouble, and, and these were executives that were coming out of Ally Bank and um, and Redfin Mortgage, and they couldn't raise money to buy it. And they just the the, the environment. It's so different today than it was two years ago, where money was like uh, flowing to any opportunity. Here, it's tough to raise money. It's um and, and what but what really um, made it challenging uh, was that we had taken on some debt, and we had debt since 2015 uh, in different funds, and uh, we had the debt, and um 
and we bought assets and then we pay it down and, you know, it would go up and down. But last year we, uh, in August, so August, 2022, the lender said they couldn't renew it. And they had, you know, we were with the same lender for, um, for seven years and never missed a payment. And they said, Hey, we need our money back. And it was $25 million. And so we had, um, so we we didn't have it, and uh, we tried to sell loans. We did try to do a big loan sale at the end of 2022, but this is right when the interest rates were going up. And yeah. so, you know, when interest rates go up, the value of our loans goes down, and that um, impeded a um, a resolution. We got back the bids, and I was like, oh, this isn't going to work. So we rejected him and moved forward. But meanwhile, we had this debt, and so we had to start paying big, big paydowns. And in fact, just recently, over the last two weeks, we paid that debt off in full. Uh, and it started out, you know, a year ago it was 25 million, started out the year at 19.75 million, and now it's paid off, which is great. And when did um, you pay that off? About two weeks ago. So very, And that very was recently. just like a big asset sale then, or, or what? No, it, the big asset sales have been tough. Two years ago, big asset sales do did really well. In the rising interest rate environment, the best way to optimize the recovery from our, our holdings is has been to get the asset to REO. So now we're selling, instead of selling a whole bunch of loans to another fund who's trying to buy it at a discount, if we can foreclose on an asset, get a deed in lieu or anything like that, then we can put it on the market. And the market is real estate market has remained, even with the interest rate increases, right. has remained remarkably healthy. So we get an REO, people buy it, and they buy them at, at, at strong pricing. So that's been great for us. Um, but right now, we um, and so that's I, that was a big component of paying off that debt was was getting things to REO. And once we got the uh, the debt paid off, then we were um, you know the the lender actually has been overpaid, and so we're waiting on some cash to come back and the remaining assets to be released. They haven't done that yet. It's been a couple of weeks. You know that for them it, that may be normal time frame. For us, it's <clears throat> just where we are um, direly need direly. We really need that to be completed. And in fact, we uh, we had a loan sale um, to, to complete about two and a half million dollars. Uh, as soon as we get these assets released, but it's been delayed. So we're we are financially right now. It's been tough this whole year. It's particularly tough right now because we kind of financially um, drained ourselves repaying this debt, and now we are um, at the point where we need to sell additional assets and get some cash in for uh, operations. Now our operations are shrunk dramatically. We're down. It feels like back in Cincinnati, we have about uh, seven people now. In a couple of weeks, to be down to five people. Uh -huh. um, and so it's really shrunk. Um, and uh, but the good news is that the overhead is really shrunk. So the more the dollars that come in today, you know, we can start. Um, we can maximize the amount that go back to investors, which is what got I'm looking it. forward to doing. Yeah. So for investors who are, you know, who've got some stuff invested, they haven't uh, uh, that who had some concerns. What's the what's the outlook on their principal and interest? Uh, how, what's the plan there? Yeah, so we uh, expect to shortly have these assets freed up, and then we will um, be able to some REO sales. We just signed some documents on those. So we should have some uh, money coming in over the next couple of weeks, which will enable us to restart distributions. The goal is to um, catch up on distributions and then move to redemptions. And um, and the goal is, you know, I'm, I'm dead set on getting everyone paid pay back. I'll do everything I can to, to make sure that happens. People made their made these investments based on, you know, believing in me, believing in the story and HP's mission. And I want that 
trust that they that they that they and that belief, I want to fulfill that and and get yeah. everyone their money back. And and that's and it isn't just me saying here I'm going to pay that everyone's money back. What we've done with the companies, and this is something as an entrepreneur, maybe I wasn't um we didn't come naturally. So two years ago, and ever ever all the time before that, I would always say, oh well, let's do this. Let's book, build a national mortgage servicer. Then let's build a national title company, and we can do it ourselves. We don't need to do it with any with anyone yeah. else at this point uh we can't uh we are um you know we've been hampered and and but what what is good is we came up with some innovative solutions technology strategies that are helpful to others uh and many times they have other things that we need more capital better better established so what we've done is on the servicer we've entered into two uh, alliances one is with a company called capital mortgage services and another is with a company called Prevo Corp. Uh, they're both kind of taking, um, we moved some employees to Capital Mortgage Services. We moved our technology there. And we are um, working to on a joint venture with them where we've actually bought some loans together uh, using their their um, their uh, money and credit. And now we're, we the people we moved over are focusing on, on resolving their defaulted assets and doing them. And I think an eye-popping uh, rate, they're, there's, they're really... Uh, they're they didn't have as much default experience. That's what we bought and our strategies. And I think they're really happy with the the progress that we're making on their defaulted portfolio and and on on the acquisitions that we made. Uh, so I think that's going to um, blossom. They have uh, the ability to service uh, government loans. Uh, FHA, BA, USDA, Fannie and Freddie. And so that also gives us an avenue, something we didn't have. We were too, or too young to get those approvals. Uh, so now that uh, we, we teamed up with them, though, we can uh, uh, work those loans. So that's been good. You know, the Prevo Corp is a, a company that supports a lot of the bigger mortgage servicers and originators in this company. They need a, a, a licensed entity to provide some of their service, to, to expand their services. So they teamed up with us uh, and because uh, we had licenses in 49 states to service and originate. And that's been really helpful to them. So we have... Um, both of those are in motion. They're already working, and we expect re to start seeing some uh, decent revenue from both of them. And now revenue uh, comes in, and we only have a handful of people on our team, so the we can maximize the amount of money that goes to investors, both from the asset sales and other dispositions, as well as the revenue from the operations. And similar things with the title company in Priario. We're partnering with better capitalized, more established companies who can help us get through this period because this period is uh, I read something a couple about a year ago where it was saying for the next couple of years, 2023 and 2024, massive shakeout. A lot of companies are going to fail and yeah. um, it, it's to survive to 2025. And those that can survive, there'll be big, big opportunities in 2025. But th there's a massive thinning of the herd going on yeah. right now. A lot of companies uh, gone out of business. So we are, um, we've had taken some blows, but we're getting to the point where we've reduced our costs, uh, and we have, um, uh, forged alliances with some, uh, some, some partners where we think we can get to a, uh, get to a good place with everything, get all investors paid off and then move on and, 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 and run these businesses. There, uh, that I was laughing when you said survive to 25, because I don't know how many times I've heard that and how many times I've said that at this point. But I think, you know, I was, in, I was also talking to um, somebody yesterday, um, you know, major, major real estate operator. And I think that was, again, the, the, the idea is that 
you know, if you've got assets that you could potentially hang on to right now and not lose them, hold on to them because it is like the absolute worst time to sell them. And then right around the corner, not around the corner, but like in a year or so, there's just so much pent up demand, um, so much money that's projected to go into these assets that it's probably going to drive these prices way up again. So, you know, losing these assets or selling right now is a very bad idea. And that's a challenge because in in times like now, people a lot of times want to throw in the towel, right? And say, hey, you know, maybe there's a, they're experiencing cash calls and certainly, you know, that is happening left and right and syndicated real estate is, is everywhere. And, and understanding that there is a value in that just for survival for the next 18 months mm-hmm. is, is so incredibly important. Right. And then people aren't, I think, kind of uh, processing that. And uh, those who do will will do well in 2025 if, if they can if they can actually suck it up and hold on. I think that that's the idea. I think that's absolutely right. I mean, I look at companies that are filed for bankruptcy. Some of our peers in the in the crowdfunding space have filed for bankruptcy and uh look at that and say, God, they could, I mean, it's, I know, I mean, sometimes I walk into work and I know, you know, how are we going to make payroll? What are we going to do? And, uh, and we find ways to, to, to get through the day. And, um, and so there's definitely days where it's very uncomfortable. And, uh, and so I get that from other, other, other people running their businesses, but they can, um, but if you can do what's necessary, downsize employees meet with, you know, we've had a couple of times we've had to pay all the frontline employees, but then the, you know, the more management senior employees, Hey, it's going to be a couple of days and people generally understand. Uh, and then you, you honor that and, and, and um, but get through those, those trying days to file for bankruptcy to me is, um, you know, hey, I've never done it, never, never want to do it. It's kind of like, you know, it, uh, it's failed. You're just basically saying it failed, uh, whatever the strategy was. And, and to the, some some extent, we've had some, you know, failure here at uh, with the servicing operation. But the, um, but God, what what can you do to get through that period and, and endure it? And to use to your point, get to the other side, because there is another side. You may have to do what we've done, which is go down to what's going to be five employees in a couple of weeks and get to, uh, you know, cut costs, delay paying vendors, uh, pause distributions. That's very uncomfortable. You know, tell investors, hey, you know, you've been used to us paying distributions for the last, um, you know, 10, 11, 12 years. And now all of a sudden we're stopping. Um, and and people just, it was something where things had changed. And, uh, but I'm intent on finding a, a way through it. I think if we do this and, and, and those, the, the strategic partnerships, I mean, now I kick myself because I should have done some of these two years ago because it's a, it's much easier. Um, and I didn't have to incur the overhead and, and whatnot, but you know, you live, you, you learn yeah. from, you know, the well, challenges. Along that lines, I was going to ask you, because I think, you know, um, as a, a sort of a fellow bootstrap entrepreneur, like, like you, you know, I've had some of these situations throughout my life where, um, you know, it was like, was going to happen everything was really going great and then boom something didn't work out mm-hmm. and and in those situations i always try to look back and try to think well okay what could i have done differently or what will i do differently and, and what have i learned from this and it and i mean it, it's it seems very basic but i think 
But what when you look back and and um, the steps that you took, you know, obviously there was a good reason for what you did. But if you go back, like what what do you think you would have done differently, or what were you reading wrong? Yeah, I think anything? I was reading it right that there was going to be a downturn. It's COVID. I think was a um, was a outlier. The money, none of us, yeah, right. none of us expected. Yeah, the, all the 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 infusion of cash. Things became very distorted um, during COVID. Now, on the good, on the positive side, we we exited a lot of our our um, our positions. We sold a lot of loans during COVID, um, especially the tail end of COVID, at, at 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 really high premiums over what we paid. At record high in late 2021, we sold some assets and had unheard of pricing that we've never seen since, never seen before. Uh, and that was uh, great. Um, but I mean, the the problem is our overhead was so high that that those gains, you know, largely subsidized the servicing operations. So that wasn't, uh, which was money, was always money losing. Uh, and that was, um, that was a challenge. I'd have probably started the servicer, uh, done it, but not have this vision of, of being a, a huge national servicer right off the bat, maybe start with some States and kind of grow it a little more, um, yeah. a little more yeah. slowly and not take on the overhead. The overhead was really, um, became, yeah too, too high and uh and i focus you know i did i'll tell you this i haven't told anyone else because i just put the two together but um a friend of mine owns a company called was called book in the box now it's called scribe uh and or scribe media and mm -hmm. he had um in 2017 he wrote a post saying he had he had bootstrapped his company book in the box and had a it had become profitable and successful. And I was one of the clients. I was one of his first clients. And he um, put on there, but it's, now is the time. He says, I can't run this business. I'm not, this is not my, um, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm handing it over to a CEO. So I, I hired, yeah. he hired the CEO. Yeah. And uh, and uh, I remember reading that post and saying, that's what I should do. Because I was, everything <laughs> everything about him is the same as me. <laughs> and I, and so I hired the CEO and it ended up, um, you know, the, it was a disaster, George. It, it was good, a disaster. Yeah. It wasn't and, good. And the, 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 you know, the HP was not the same without you calling the shots. You were the yeah. magic. And that is one of the things I think in, in the entrepreneurial world, that's very, very difficult as you under, I don't know if you, this this happened to me with you know my cosmetic surgery offices in in Chicago. I mean yep. they were you know there it was massively profitable when I was there, and it's just been a you know just just not the same. It's not made any money, and so you, that is a that is a hell of a challenge to try to bring whatever intangible um, skill set or you know magic that you bring along with you. Uh, and try to pat, you know, try to outsource that, right? But yeah. on the other hand, I don't know that I would say in your case that that was a a real that that was something that you would have anticipated. That's what companies do when they get big. They and 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 that's what you're supposed to do, right? So yeah, agreed. And it and but it wasn't a um a, yeah, it didn't work out as planned. A year and a half later, I was back in the CEO role and um and there were some missteps during that period, which you know I was able to largely um realign the ship, but it was um 
you know, and then COVID hit and, and all kinds of other circumstances. But just in the last few days, um, I received a notice that um, Scry Media had filed for bankruptcy. Oh, really? And, yeah. <laughs> so my friend, so I was sorry to hear that because he had he had built a successful business, handed it off to a CEO, and uh, and then the you know a few years later it was gone, uh, and the business was bankrupt. And so that's uh, that was um, unfortunate, and um, and luckily we've avoided that. Uh, but it has been you know we've we've uh, a very successful. I mean, you remember our returns in uh in like 2016, 2017, uh, were like 38% in for the Great. year, 40% for the year. The, the insane, the returns were incredible. And then that was me and, right. and a support kind of like I'm down to now, just me and, uh, and, uh, and a, a small support team right. uh, working these assets. Then we tried to become a big company. First year, the returns went to the single digits. Um, and we've never been the same since, um, and so right now, and then we had this big organization and there's all this overhead and we made a lot of money on the, um, the assets that we bought in the first six months of COVID turned out to be great buys made, have very successful, but we ended up that money just kind of got absorbed into the, yeah, the servicing yeah. operations. So that that's, uh, so, you know, but so what do you do learn. going forward? If you know that the magic is in the small and the, you know, that, that, that your greatest success and is is the fact that you are very skilled when it comes to you know the hands-on uh part of this so what do you do with that i mean do you keep doing you no, know i can't i can't but that's that means that i'll work till, till i'm dead and, <laughs> right, and, I'm, right. and that's not the plan i mean right. I, I like working i think you like working we, we yeah, both yeah. enjoy it um right. but it's not one this period is kind of tough but yeah so what do you do nor so here's so here's my theory now because I can't be part of the a I'm not great at running day to day operations I'll, yeah I'll me neither that um and that's probably the worst part and handling yeah. employees and no oh, gosh yeah um, it's terrible especially as we had uh, yeah we we got to a lot of employees so the um the I think the the solution maybe what we're doing now I mean we we um I'll give you an example AHP title um we purchased a title insurance company it was I, I think in the end that's going to be one of our best deals ever um and it's now another company has bought 50% interest in it and they are a much larger company that that um uh they had previously built a national title agency and had um had sold it for in the hundreds of millions uh and now they've waited out their non-competes and now they're doing it again with the same team and they're they have they have significant traction on but they they needed an underwriter and we had one and and what's uh, some states won't let you be an underwriter in their state unless you've been in business for 10 years so our underwriter that we bought has been in business since the 70s so we had what's a fairly rare rare commodity and we are not commodity, but rare, rare situation, title underwriter and in business for more than 10 years. So that's what they were looking for. They came to us. We want to buy, we want to be partners 50-50. And now they bought in yet another title insurer uh, to be part of it. And they're, they're, I see that having massive growth in AHP title. And, but I have no employees. It's just me. And they run the operations. They have all the people and we're simply, um, uh, you know, the, the 50% owner. So those strategic partnerships, even on the servicer, you know, the CMS Alliance, the Prevo Alliance, um, we just need a couple people here to support it. It's not a, it's not a big, so it's me. Um, but then there's a big operation, but somebody else is running those operations. Cause I, that has been a struggle. I haven't done well at it. And, um, I think me, you know, 
and I think that's probably the same for you, you and a small team yeah. that works. It starts getting really big and there's a, there's a layer of management below you. Ugh, I mean, people well, make what, that work. It's <clears> not, not me. I mean, it, and, and, you know, we don't usually talk about these sort of entrepreneurial things on the show, but I think, um, you know, it's worth talking about because, you know, we have some of the similar challenges, but what I, what I found that it's really hard to do, but yet very, very important is to stay in your lane. In other words, like there ultimately you have a power, a superpower, a, you're something you're really, really good at. And, you, but you want to get bigger. It doesn't mean that you continue, that, that you have to do it all. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, what you just need to do is you need to find the, the, the pieces or the partners uh, in my opinion, that can do who are really good at the other parts of what you need to have done. And then, you know, Parapasu, you're part of that business that you're really good at can grow exponentially because that's just what you're really good at. That's kind of like what I've realized. And like you, like I'm a horrible, like, you know, uh, management person. I am not a management person at all. I'm a big vision thinker, you know, I have ideas, I can look at things and I am a deal maker, but I'm not, I'm not a guy on the ground at all. And I, and I'm not, you know, the one who's going to sit there and manage, you know, like you said, 50 employees, hundred employees, whatever it ends up, because it ends up being an absolute circus. Mm. That is a real challenge though. You have to figure out like what you're good at and figure out how you're going to just not do anything else but what you're good at so yeah and avoid the distractions that comes come with it and and, and do the stuff that's that hey, the stuff that that i'm that we're probably both good at is the stuff we like and yeah right uh, the stuff it's right. fun to do it's not even feeling like work um but yeah this other uh stuff oh my goodness it becomes a, a huge distraction a huge drain and then you're you're not even spending the time on the stuff that you're good at and as a result we had a business that that became challenged i mean entering these i love doing these partnerships um i think it's it's uh it's um you know i should have done it before i'm also i guess in a way the ceos you bring in a ceo you give them equity you give them a big salary and they come in and you think okay you know they they have some equity they want to build it but god i haven't had that experience yet yeah um, where people they're really there they get they get a nice cushy salary and they're there you know kind of uh, yeah uh, not not like you want it and yeah and now if you have a partner who's not making any salary, but they're just in there with you and they were trying to grow something, uh, you know, the, the, the kind of the, the incentive, the, um, the interests become much more aligned and that, that's exactly. Interesting. And hundred uh, percent. So it, it, it's been, but uh, you know, I'm 50, I just turned 58 three days ago. So I'm not, uh, no, I guess it's, it's, yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's good to learn lessons, but you're not, you know, 58 I, and you, y'all keep learning till, till, to the end of life um but we um uh, you know this this one this last couple of years has been really tough this last year has been just ridiculously um um tough and um you know challenging and you know i have two twin three-year-old boys yeah. at home yeah. and so that's you know trying to balance work and and the kids and i was hoping you know hiring all these people putting everything into place that i get to a point where okay i'm you know other people are really running the business and not me but i guess maybe that's well, that's not how it played out. And <laughs> right, right. I guess when you left Chicago, probably the same thing. Oh, you, yeah. have, you have the right people in place. You think they'll, they'll, uh, well, you, you, you think so. And then bang, you know, yeah, it just falls apart. So, 
But anyway, yeah, well, thanks. Uh, you know, it, it, let me ask you this before before we cut out. What so what I mean, you're seeing and hearing a lot from big institutional players in real estate. Um, you're hearing from economists just like I am. You've talked about, you know, staying alive till 25 and all that stuff. I mean, what what are you seeing in 24? What what's going to happen? What what do you what do you see? I mean, obviously, it's, you know, none of us really can predict the future. But what's your take on 2024? Yeah, it's hard to say. I've been a terrible. Um, I think I used to be pretty good at reading at reading, you know, because historically, from an economic perspective, you can look at history and usually predict the future to some extent. Yeah. Uh, and historically, there's this um, you can go back through the last hundred years and keep going back even further. And you'll see that there's a economic expansion, contraction, expansion, contraction. The question is how big is the expansion? How big is the contraction? Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's how the economy is run, yeah. but it, it's been, I think the pandemic really distorted things. The expansion became the biggest expansion on our country's history. And even the contraction, if we're saying, I don't even know we're in the contraction yet, because for the last two years, I've continued to say six months, you really see things, um, things start turning the other way. And I've been wrong constantly. Uh, and so right now, I don't even know if in six months in, in 2024, if this market is going to really turn. The real estate market still pretty strong. Interest rates are high. Uh, there's not much activity, but there's not much activity in terms of buying because there's uh, there's not much inventory. Uh, there's not much so inventory. And there's uh, there's also, you know, the interest rates are, are high, but the job market is very strong. Which is strange because as you, you know, your company's laying off people, I'm seeing large companies lay off people left and right. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, how in the world is the job market strong and GDP is 5%? It just doesn't make any sense. Zero, makes zero sense. It's the, I think, um, there, who's that? The Nomi Prince, maybe? She wrote the, wrote the book, The Great Distortion. And basically it was the idea that, you know, all of this financial engineering from the, Bad and 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 uh, government policy and stuff has basically made all of you know the cycles and the concepts that we rely on to predict things completely almost sort of useless right now. When you pump in that kind of money, uh, it, you know it does weird things. It's it's like uh, you know it's it's, it's psychedelic it's a mutation. We have yeah. an economic mutation on our hands, right. so the, you right. can't you can't predict where the mutation. I mean, where the mutation is going to go. It, it's yeah, it is. It's extraordinary and may, and may, creates makes things highly unpredictable, and that's not good for business when you're trying to forecast. Hey, what's you know what's going to happen in the next six months? Um, but I think I mean at some point, well, you would have to think at some point it normalizes. Uh, it doesn't feel it still doesn't feel anywhere near normal though, and uh, and when it normalizes, you know we'll see where the where where the opportunities are. But in the meantime, it's survival um, and uh, get to. You know, get to 2025. Hopefully, there'll be big opportunities, and the people that do make it there will um, will have big success. But it's it's going right. to be a challenge between now and then. I think for a lot of people, we'll continue to see businesses uh, fail. Um, continue to, see, I mean, even post COVID. I mean, I'm in downtown Chicago. I don't know how recently you've been back, but there, uh, stores, restaurants, uh, left and right, boarded up, closed for lease signs everywhere. I'm in a building downtown um chicago stock exchange building there i don't know what the occupancy i'm guessing it's 50 percent. i can tell you on our floor the 11th floor we're the only tenant still here everybody else is gone it's, crazy. it's, it's just insane uh the how things have changed so dramatically since covid and uh and how much 
you know, Chicago's changed. I think many other cities have changed dramatically yeah. and people, yeah. jobs that, you know, people had small businesses for years. That's what they did. And now those businesses are just wiped out. And, uh, yeah. and what, what are those people doing? I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it was great chatting with you, George, as always, and uh, best of luck to you. And I'm sure you'll be on again and again and again. I want to keep my record. I think I'm still the leader. (laughs) Oh, I think you are by far (laughs) still. Thanks for being on. We'll we'll catch up soon again. All right. Good good to chat again, Bob. Thanks for having me on. We'll be right back. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder this stuff is so profitable and recession resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, just a reminder, if you're looking for more buck and you don't care what it's all about, if you're interested in just listening to another podcast that I'm doing and you happen to want to live a little bit longer, check out my other podcast, Sapio with Buck Jopri. Releases Monday and Wednesday and uh, lots of great information in there. Uh, and if you haven't uh, downloaded the book, Living Longer for Busy People at sapiopodcast.com. That's it for me this week on Wealth Formula Podcast. This is Buck Joffrey signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Buck Joffrey here from Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.